mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, will FDA approval of the Pfizer vaccine move the needle on vaccination rates? Will enough booster shots be available for those who qualify? Will back to school mean back to spread of the virus? We'll get the latest update from Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi. Also this morning, has our preoccupation with COVID-19 led to other risks and dangers going overlooked? Another example of that potential issue is in the area of workplace safety. In our ongoing Keeping the Faith series, from the death of a loved one to the chaos in Afghanistan, the question is the same through the ages. Where is God in all the suffering? And story time in the park and more fall programs from the Findlay Hancock County Public Library in the month of September will tell you what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. Among the first things you need to know this morning, this kind of confirms what we already knew. During the early days of the pandemic, Americans did more drinking at home as bars and restaurants were forced to close. But what's interesting, uh, researchers at Columbia University found that between March and September of last year, beer, wine, and liquor store sales, in-store sales, totaled $41.9 billion. That is 20% higher than during the same period the year before. And 18% higher than between August of 2019 and February of 2020. So, basically... The in-store beer, wine, and liquor sales was up about 20% as soon as the pandemic hit. Meanwhile, restaurant sales dropped 27% between March and September of last year. And in September of 2020, sales at restaurants and bars are about 15% below pre-pandemic levels. While beer, wine, and liquor sales were 17% higher and have since stayed Close to that level. So basically, you know, there's a lot of numbers that I just threw out at you, but basically, what these researchers at Columbia University have found when analyzing the data is that in store sales went up at the same, basically the same rate that bar and liquor sales or bar uh, and restaurant sales went down. So the long and short of it is this. We weren't necessarily drinking more. We just changed where we were drinking. Researchers note that excessive drinking at home could be an unhealthy way of coping with stress about pandemic-related issues and also pointed out that drinking at home has been linked with domestic violence, of course. Uh, you know, So obviously there are those issues. But the bottom line is we weren't necessarily drinking more. We just changed how we drink uh, as of the uh, because of the pandemic i thought that was kind of interesting. talk about how uh, americans were drinking more maybe not uh, just drinking at home rather than in a bar a couple of other uh, interesting stories some of the most buzzworthy stuff to start your start your morning off um you've been trying to get ten thousand steps a day as part of your fitness regimen, it might be time to change your goal. Health experts say 10,000 steps a day is kind of an arbitrary measurement. And research suggests that seven to 8,000 steps a day is usually enough 
to see those health benefits that you are seeking. But uh, personal trainer Harvey Lawton says that daily activity is the unsung hero when it comes to expending energy. He says moving in varying ways and through different planes of motion allows you to learn about your body, your joint health, and where your weaknesses may lie, something that may not necessarily be highlighted nor corrected by just achieving a daily step goal alone. Long and short of it is, just counting your steps is not necessarily the best way of keeping yourself in good physical health. That's, that is not enough by and, by and of itself uh, for daily activity well that's going to throw a whole monkey wrench into the smartwatch (laughs) business isn't it um amanda pollock the university of massachusetts says she encourages focusing on minutes moved rather than stressing about steps noting that while a daily step count goal is not a bad thing necessarily the main goal should really be to not be too sedentary and to stay consistent so minutes moved as opposed to steps taken so i guess my smartwatch could help with that it'd just be a different measurement somebody will have to come up with an app for that somebody will have to come up with an app for that because you know we can't do it on our own you've been following the story uh, out of cedar a really sad story out of cedar point the woman who was hit by a falling piece of debris from the top thrill dragster roller coaster apparently Uh, She is in critical condition. Her family says she is fighting for her life. Now, what exactly that means, they didn't clarify, but uh, hoping that she will be uh, okay. I saw this story on the uh, Newswire, totally different thing. The world's fastest accelerating roller coaster has been shut down after riders suffered injuries on the Dodupampa roller coaster in japan the fuji q highland theme park in japan this roller coaster launches riders get this from zero to 112 miles per hour in 1.56 seconds what in 1.56 what is the what is the top thrill it's like zero to a hundred in four seconds or something like that this is 0 to 112 in 1.56 seconds. The G-forces on riders are similar to those uh, on, the, uh, on a space shuttle launch. <laughs> I mean, this is some serious G-forces, and at least six riders have sustained bone fractures uh, after uh, riding the coaster between December of last year and August of this year. Four of whom said they had broken bones in their neck or back. Park officials dumbfounded by the injuries. <laughs> really? You can't, you can't figure this out? You're going to put people under like three, four G's of... And it, I mean, they're just strapped down as you normally would be in a roller coaster and you're applying that kind of G-force. I can't believe that it's a surprise that you have that many <laughs> injuries. Um, in 2017, the coaster was renovated and modifications were made to increase its speed 
It used to go from 0 to 106 miles an hour. Now it goes from 0 to 112 miles an hour in a second and a half. Theme park officials said that they chose to suspend the ride earlier this month after reports of injuries, but insist that the casual relationship between injuries and amusement machines has not yet been confirmed. (laughs) I think we can put it 0 to 112 They advertise this as being super death speed. So you decide. But the relationship between injuries and amusement rides has not yet been confirmed. So climb on board this coaster with its super death speed. That's man. Oh, man. It's crazy. A couple of other uh, stories here among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Study from the University of Buffalo School of Management has found that a beauty premium exists in the workplace. And this is across all professions. It is partially because attractive people develop distinct traits as a result of how the world responds to their attractiveness. Researchers say they build a greater sense of power and have more opportunities to improve their nonverbal communication skills. And if you are not attractive, then you are at a disadvantage. They do say if you want to level the playing field with your better looking colleagues, one of the professors involved in the study discovered that striking a power pose can help you do that. By standing with your feet shoulder-width apart, hands on your hips, chest out, and chin up, less attractive people can match the presence of their more attractive counterparts. People might look at you funny. Why are you standing there like Superman? <laughs> but do, have you noticed this? I, I have to admit, I, I, don't, I haven't really thought about it in the past, but now that I've seen this story... I am going to kind of maybe subconsciously being on the lookout for some of these clues about what they call a beauty premium in the workplace. Kind of interesting. And uh, lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, a warning about the latest viral TikTok challenge. Doctors are issuing an advisory that this is causing a lot of injuries. TikTok users are showing off their showing off their agility with the milk crate challenge. This involves turning milk crates upside down and stacking them to create a staircase. And then you walk up and and back down the staircase of milk crates. And of course, because the structure is not secured to anything, most of the videos show people falling off the stacks of milk crates. And it's oh so amusing, but also dangerous. Snoop Dogg called the milk crate challenge the bridge of death. A professor of orthopedic surgery at Johns Hopkins University says people can get injured in a number of ways because of the different angles they can fall, uh, depending on what part of their body hits the ground first. Long and short of it, don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do this. Milk crate challenge. The latest. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 First Alert forecast. Scattered showers and thunderstorms are possible late this afternoon, otherwise mostly sunny and humid with a high 93. 
The Putnam County Health Department released its latest weekly COVID-19 update on Tuesday. The agency noted 67 new cases in the previous week, along with one new death and five new hospitalizations from the virus. That compares to 38 cases, no deaths, and five hospitalizations the previous week. The current rate of 115 cases per 100,000 in population qualifies as high community spread according to the guidelines from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 87 of Ohio's 88 counties are in that category. The CDC recommends wearing a mask while in indoor public places while also maintaining other protocols to reduce the threat of spread of the virus. The case rate for Ohio is 194 per 100,000. Florida currently ranks highest with nearly 700 cases per 100,000 in population. Ohio lawmakers are debating a bill that would prohibit private businesses and universities from requiring their employees to be vaccinated. Business leaders are vocally against that legislation. More from ONN's Tracy Townsend. The Ohio Chamber of Commerce is against this piece of legislation. We talk with the president of the chamber, former U.S. Congressman Steve Stivers. It's not about vaccines here. It's about employment at will and eroding employers' ability to decide the terms of employment in their business. And in fact, that's a slip toward socialism that, you know, we should all be a little scared about. I'm Tracy Townsend. The Finley Police Department will be holding its monthly Coffee with a Cop program at Coffee Amici on Saturday. The event will be held from 9 to 11 at the coffee shop on Main Street. There's no specific program for the event. It's an opportunity for citizens to mingle with both officers from the Finley Police Department and deputies from the Hancock County Sheriff's Office. More news online anytime at WFIN.com. In for Matt Demchek, I'm John Marshall on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Mornings that matter. It's Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi is with us in the studio with an update, an awful lot of uh, new developments over the past couple of weeks with respect to the coronavirus. And uh, Kareem, first of all, thanks very much once again for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. Morning, Chris. Thank you for having um, me. Like we said, a lot to unpack here that has uh, come out uh, just in the uh, past week or so. Things have been moving uh, very quickly. First of all, and and I suppose this is maybe the, the most significant uh, development, the FDA giving full approval to the Pfizer vaccine. So it is now fully approved by the FDA, not just for emergency use authorization. Do you expect that that will move the needle at all in terms of vaccination rates? Yeah. From talking to a lot of people, a lot of people are waiting for that approval. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a, from a medical perspective, um, authorization and approval are essentially the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go through the same rigorous scientific, um, you know, uh, collection of data and uh, scrutinizing the data. Um, it's uh, the FDA look for three things, you know, um, how safe the, the drug is or the vaccine is, um, how effective it is um, in preventing serious illness and the manufacturing quality of the uh, of the, you know, do, making the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I think all those three elements are both uh, present in the authorization and the approval uh, the only difference is the approval. They look at a bigger data. 
uh, yeah, larger data uh, larger set. data sets. Yeah. So, um, so now it's fully approved. I think more and more people are going to be considering the vaccine, and I urge more people to consider it as well. Have you seen an uptick in demand? I, I mean, does the day realizing that it's only been a few days, so you know maybe it's too early to ask the question, but does it seem as though? People are saying, okay, this is what I was waiting for, or are there those who are saying, you know, there's really no difference between where we were two weeks ago and where we are now? Yeah. Um, we all know that the vaccine is becoming a flashpoint here for, right. for, a, lot of, uh, for a lot of folks. Um, and um, I urge everybody to just look at the science of it. Um, you know, uh, being approved by the FDA now, that makes the, the, the Pfizer vaccine the most studied um, you know, a drug mm-hmm. uh, ever with the billions of, of doses uh, administered so far. Um, I think we have enough data now to prove and that uh, that it will prevent serious illness. So the flip side of that question is, if that does uh, result in an increase in demand, um, do we have enough supply? Because people are going to be, I would imagine, these people who have hesitated to this point waiting for FDA approval are going to say, okay, I'm ready to get the vaccine, but it has to be this vaccine. Yep. Chris, to to your point, I think we're waiting for that moment, and uh, I think we're ready for the surge here in vaccine, in demands for the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope it will happen. I think we have enough supplies. Uh, We are working on creating a lot of opportunities for people to reconsider the vaccine. Um, and actually, after the approval, now try to get it. I, I You do have a uh, clinic coming up, another clinic coming up, right? That is Was correct. That's the clinic on, on Friday mm-hmm. um, from 10 to 1. Um, that's uh, in collaboration with the city of Findlay. Um, it was uh, originally, uh, you know, to incentivize the uh, the employees of the city to get the vaccine. People who are still on the fence, um, but it's open to the public. Um, and we are giving out, uh, uh, you know, fair tickets to the first 75 people who go there to the clinic. There you it's go. The Pfizer clinic, too. And and this will be the first uh, one since the full approval, right? Uh, that, so this, that is correct. So this may be a good uh, litmus test as to, you know, whether this indeed does, as we said, kind of move the needle, as it were. Yes, okay. it will be. Um, we are having, you know... Uh, the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine can be done by appointment. So if you call the health department, um, we usually do those on Thursdays because, you know, to keep up with the, you know, with the open clinic ideas that we started when the campaign started. Uh, but if you call and and uh, try to get an appointment, usually they will give you an appointment to get. Now, the other uh, big storyline with respect to the vaccines has been all about boosters. And the FDA uh, did or the CDC uh, uh, did uh, advise for a booster for certain individuals, not for everyone, but for certain individuals. They uh, say that a booster is advisable. Um, where does that stand right now? I mean, is there, will those boosters be readily available here locally or what's the plan with respect to that? Yeah, I think the plan is to make them available for the immunocompromised to start with, mm-hmm. uh, between now and September 20th. I think the, um, uh, the C- the CDC and the FDA said after September 20th, they will advise the general public to get the booster. Um, we are, we are working on plans for the general public, but for now, um, I think we're getting a lot of calls from doctors of you know with their concerned clients um, thinking that they will need the the booster and uh, we're trying to schedule those and work out with their physicians. That was uh, going to be the uh, next uh, question because uh, again 
they're looking at data not just for immunocompromised uh, individuals, but is this something that the general public is going to need? Do you anticipate that this is going to be a universal thing that uh, everybody after the vaccine, after eight or nine months or whatever, uh, is going to need a booster or uh, look look for be looking for a booster? I think the data is showing that boosters are going to help here at this point, eight mm-hmm. months or so after. Um, and I think uh, everybody will 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 be seeking a booster. I, I believe we got a lot of calls since that CDC um, yeah. recommendations came about last week, um, and we are trying to kind of uh, tell people that you know we're working on on scheduling those boosters. Um, if you're immunocompromised, you feel like you need a booster as soon as possible. Uh, we're working we'll work with your doctor, and we'll get you we'll get you a booster shot. The other. Uh narrative with respect to uh, covid is now we're coming into back to school season city schools are are back uh in session uh the county schools uh, most of them will be starting right after the fair um and there is this concern about the delta variant being much more uh dangerous for young people than the original strain is there a concern and i know you have had conversations with the uh, school districts throughout this uh pandemic um and your preference would be to see kids uh, in masks and those who are eligible to be vaccinated. But again, the schools are making it parent option. Is there a concern that back to school will mean back to a spread? Yeah, and um, I, I'm I don't think it's a it's a it's a big concern, but it's a concern that you know um, as we are coming back together. Um, indoors uh, we're bringing people in after that you know that whole year and a half of pandemic Mm -hmm. it would have been wise to kind of you know start with a mask and see how the community spread is going and accordingly uh, adjust that policy Um, our strong recommendation still if you're indoor please wear a mask distance do the layers do the do the things we can do Mm -hmm. um, easily to prevent the spread of the virus um, last year, the schools did a fantastic job in keeping the kids safe in schools. Um, we d- we didn't have you know large outbreaks. We had you know outbreaks here and there, and we dealt with them. And the school really helped. Um, this year, uh, we we told the school a lot of the uh, uh, school boards that we, we're we're there to support them going back to school safe. So um, if um, if their school board makes a decision to go um, with mask optional. Uh, we still urge the parents to uh, to put masks on their kids when they go in, in class, mm-hmm. uh, but um, but nonetheless, we'll be working with them on on, con- on controlling the infection. I would imagine you're going to be watching that especially closely again, given the increased uh, virility uh, or the uh, Delta variant and and the fact that it again, based on the data that we have, uh, is much more that that young people are much more susceptible to this than the original strain that we saw last year. That is correct. And we've seen an increase in, in infections, um, you know, in kids as well. Uh, we're going to be watching multiple, um, you know, metrics going into not only the school season, but into the fall season here. Um, and it, it will be worth mentioning that in the last seven days, um, our hospitalization increased by 78%. Um, that's pretty dramatic. That's pretty dramatic for just a seven-day period, and um, this Delta variant is spreading like wildfire quick. Um, if you if you remember, we moved from um, you know low to non-significant spread to really high spread in a week. Mm-hmm. And now that being said, uh, it's a it's a seventy-eight percent uh, increase, but the the numbers are still relatively low. 
uh, in terms of raw numbers. Right, right. I mean, currently we have 10, 10 uh, people in the hospital. Yeah. Um, people, what people kind of don't realize sometimes that if we report, if Hancock Public Health reports on, on 10 individuals of Hancock County residents being at the hospital, that doesn't mean that that's everybody's in the hospital. Our hospital is kind of regional. It serves the counties around us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, talking, talking to the hospital, you know, almost on a daily basis. Yesterday, they had a census of about 23 cases of, uh, of COVID in the hospital. Uh, Ten of those are, are Hancock County residents. Mm. Uh, but, uh, but, but it's, 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 it's worth mentioning that, again, in the last, 20, uh, last seven days, uh, 25 more residents uh, were admitted to the hospital because of COVID. So uh, a lot there going on with this, watching it very, continue to watch it very closely, especially as we get to uh, back to school season and uh, all of the uh, gatherings, but some good news with the full approval of the vaccine. And uh, then we'll continue to watch how uh, the uh, things with boosters uh, progress. Vaccines so, are still our best strategy. There you go. Again, uh, Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baruti with us this morning. Kareem, thanks very much. Thank you, Chris. You know, small businesses and their employees have shown extreme resiliency over the past year and a half, to say the least. And now that those businesses are back up and running for the most part, the last thing you want if you're a small business owner is to have everything come undone due to a workplace accident or some other health issue. Dax Craig is co-founder and president of Pi Insurance with us this morning. Some advice when it comes to workplace safety. And Dax, I would imagine this is something that many small business owners probably haven't given much thought to over the past year. And that's precisely why this is important, because it's very easy for things to slip through the cracks when you're not paying attention. That's exactly right, Chris. Uh, First, thank you for having me on the show. Um, As employees come back to the office or come back into the business, uh, we haven't thought about workplace safety. Uh, And so it it needs to be top of mind for these small business owners. Uh, to protect themselves and their uh, and their employees. So, what are some of the uh, most timely workplace safety considerations, particularly for small business owners uh, and employees, mm-hmm. given where we are right now? Uh, well, it's a great question. Um, first, I want to make sure your listeners know that uh, uh, workers' compensation, which most of them have, uh, doesn't cover transmittable disease. Uh, including COVID, right? So that that makes it super important for them to have uh, a written workforce, workplace safety guide that includes COVID protocols. Uh, it also needs to include industry-specific uh, things, you know, depending on what industry they are. Uh, and, and they need to communicate this to all employees, uh, and they need to train other employees on it frequently. And then lastly, I just want to encourage small business owners to to follow the CDC guidelines, the best way to protect yourself as a small business owner and your employees, and and make sure you follow your state and local mandates. Obviously, that is the easiest way to kind of be protected, I guess. If there are claims that come up later, you can uh, point to say, hey, we were following the guidelines that we were given from the higher ups to the highest levels at the CDC. Will that be enough? Well, I mean, it, it's it's necessary, but probably not sufficient. Uh, as employees come back into the workplace, um, uh, you need to make sure you understand their vaccine vaccine status, right? Have they been vaccinated or not? If they haven't, 
make sure they wear a mask in the office so that uh, you as a, as a small business owner are liable uh, for things in the future. Um, and it's really important to understand, you know, what your overall insurance coverage is. Mm -hmm. uh, many, we've seen a lot of small businesses that have lapsed their coverage. Uh, and so now they're bringing employees back. They've forgotten, oh my gosh, I have to have work comp insurance. Right. They have a lapse. And so it's really important to get that taken care of yeah. uh, for themselves and for their employees. Well, and that kind of uh, leads to the next question, which is aside from, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the virus and, and health issues are going to be top of mind, especially for a lot of small business owners who probably haven't really given that part of it a whole lot of thought before all of this happened. But again, because we don't want to let anything slip through the cracks, we we make sure that we pay attention to all of those other things that we should have been doing all along in terms of uh, physical uh, safety and, uh, and and you know things that pre preventing other workplace accidents that may be uh, unique to your particular business. Well, that's right, and and it's you know because there's a worker shortage, right? These employees and prospective employees they care about their safety more so now than ever. So it's really important for the small business owner not to have, you know, any barriers to bringing back small uh, their employees mm -hmm. uh, and, and attracting the best talent. Just these people care about it, so make sure you care about it and show you put your best foot forward. Uh, with that in mind, what uh, what other uh, essential advice can you share with small business owners? And I think that's a really good point that you make, too, that uh, workers are probably more cognizant of this now than maybe what they were before. So uh, this becomes a, a recruiting tool. Uh, and along those lines, are there other ways in which the, the paradigm has kind of shifted with respect to this entire issue? Well, I think it's really important for small business owners to, to look at every cost in their business, every expense. Uh, we're in uncertain times, right? With the Delta variant, we're not exactly sure where things are going to go. So just make sure you understand where all your spending goes. And I would encourage people, this is specific to insurance, uh, to really look at your insurance costs. One thing that, that small businesses that, that have work comp insurance, for example, it can be as much as 30% of their payroll, mm. it's a big yeah. expense for them. And what we've seen in the marketplace is um, small businesses can overpay by as much as 30%. That's a big, that's a big number for, for some of these small businesses. Uh, so much so that if, if they go out and they shop for it, they can find savings that allow them to hire even more employees. Uh, so I would just encourage them to go out and talk to their local insurance agent. Of course, we'd love that they ask for pie. Um, or online uh, are, are great places for them to, to go shop. So just a, a timely reminder, because as we said at the outset, uh, you know, as hard as small business work, uh, owners have had or hard a time they had it over the past year uh, and, and to get where we are now, it's been such a struggle. Certainly don't want to have everything come undone at this point because of something that is uh, foreseeable, preventable, and uh, and so on. Again, Dax Craig is co-founder and president of Pi Insurance. Some timely reminders for small business owners. And where do we get more information? You mentioned the website uh, would be a good place to uh, start. With maybe some of yeah, the that, that's, some information. That's a great place to go. Um, uh, PiInsurance.com. Uh, we have a lot of resources for small businesses there. On so they can check prices. Um, and then there are obviously other websites like OSHA and CDC and SBA.gov 
uh, are wonderful resources for small businesses as well. Definitely want to make sure that you uh, take in all of that information. Dax, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Chris, thanks for having me on. Time now for our ongoing Keeping the Faith series this morning. And we see so much suffering in the world, whether it is on a personal level, maybe the death of a loved one, or the chaos in Afghanistan and elsewhere around the world. The circumstances are always different, but the question is the same, and it has been asked time and time again down through the ages. Where is God in all the suffering? Correspondent John Clemens reports this morning, Keeping the Faith. The pandemic, racial protesting, political instability around the globe. Amy Orr Ewing with the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics in the UK is the author of Where is God in All the Suffering? This question of suffering is just everywhere. We experience it through death of loved ones. We experience it through the loss of jobs or or illnesses that come and just debilitate us. And for Christians, that can leave us wondering, does God really love me? And for those who don't have a faith, often it can cause them to think, well, God can't exist because of all this suffering in the world. And so I wanted to write a book that, that really addressed those kinds of questions. Suffering for those who have a close relationship with God is often difficult to comprehend. For a believer in Jesus, we have a relationship with God. That kind of personal element of a relationship with God often means that we find ourselves wondering, have I done something wrong? Have I done something to deserve this? Did I not have enough faith? So in the book, I'm really trying to address suffering from a biblical point of view and show how people in the Bible suffered. The the Bible describes the world that you and I live in. When we go through suffering, it's not a reason to lose heart or to lose trust in a loving God. In her book, Amy R. Ewing writes a comparison of some of the other religions. In other worldviews, like, for example, Islam and monotheistic worldview, the portrait of God is a, a God who causes everything that happens to happen. And so if you're suffering, it's because you're being punished. From an Eastern religion point of view, you have the idea of karma. People get what they deserve. But, you know, Jesus Christ was asked, you know, whose fault was it that they're suffering? Was it them or was it their parents? And Jesus said, neither. In other words, we don't look at suffering and think those people have done something to deserve it. The book, Where is God and All the Suffering, will explain why there is agony and grief for everyone. We live in a world in which suffering exists, and Genesis and the Bible explain why and how that has come about. The Bible explains why we live in a world in which these terrible things happen. You know, at the beginning of the Bible, there's a story of Adam and Eve, the first human beings, to live in a world in a context where everything is good. But as a consequence of the fall, that's when they make that choice and they exercise choice um, against God, of suffering and all kinds of evil enter the world. Some expect once they accept Christ as Lord and Savior, their life will be perfect. So the Bible warns us that this is going to be our experience, and it does not say if you come to God, if you trust in Jesus, your life will be perfect. You will never go through anything difficult. In fact, quite the opposite. We're promised that we can expect to suffer, but we do not need to go through suffering alone. And loving God exists. He's revealed himself in Jesus, and he promises to carry us through, to journey through this suffering world with us, and ultimately, through his own suffering, redeems the world. Until we meet the Lord face to face, 
We live in a world where there is suffering. The Bible describes the world in which bad and terrible things happen to decent people. It describes a world in which random suffering through natural disasters happens. It describes a world in which evil is perpetrated. A world in which we experience illness and die young. The Bible isn't a sort of fairy story written in a fantasy bubble of unreality. It explains not just why suffering happens, but how we can know and experience a loving God in the midst of this suffering world. Expect sickness, poverty, natural disasters, grief, pain, and injustice. What is the explanation for our rage in the face of injustice and suffering if God doesn't exist? If we're just a cluster of cells, we're randomly here by chance, there's no ultimate meaning to our life or existence. Our feeling about suffering, our reaction to injustice doesn't make sense. Whereas actually, if we believe that if God is the source of our life, if human beings are created in the image of God, that makes sense of why we care about suffering, why suffering hurts us so much. The book, Where is God and All the Suffering, explains we can actually grow closer to Him amid the times of grief. Disasters can wake us up to the preciousness of life and also the transcendence of life. The reality that there is more to life than just the physical stuff we can we can own and consume. And um, I think that can ultimately point us to a loving God who actually exists and has revealed himself in the person of Jesus. This is John Clemens reporting. So powerful, that message, not just recognizing that, yes, there is pain and suffering in the world, but finding God amidst the pain and suffering. We've got a link up to the book at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net, keeping the faith. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news is brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Porch pirates have always been a problem, but they're not always human. (laughs) There's a video of this, and it is uh, really amusing. A homeowner in Bristol, Connecticut recently posted this uh, to Facebook, shows a bear taking her Amazon package from her front steps and walking down the driveway with it. (laughs) Said it happened uh, just minutes after the delivery was made. It's almost like the bear was stalking, you know, hiding out, just waiting to pounce when the delivery driver dropped off her uh, package. Kristen Levine, though, says she doesn't know why the bear was interested in the package. All it contained was rolls of toilet paper. She says the package later turned up in a neighbor's yard. Mm. <laughs> that bear was just assuming that it was probably something that would be you would be interested in. But. By the way, speaking of uh, bears, pair of Minnesota teenagers were gardening at a friend's house, had a close call with a wandering black bear. This also caught on camera. Haley Nelson, age 17, and 15-year-old Dory Arndt, we're uh, working in the front garden at uh, at a friend's house when uh, Ms. Nelson spotted what she initially thought was her friend's dog out of the corner of her eye. A security camera at one of the home's uh, windows recorded as the girls realized that it was not a dog. It was a young black bear. And fortunately, they knew what to do. They went inside the house, gave the bear all the room it needed 
the uh, bear cub wandered around the neighborhood for a, a while, entering some other folks' backyards, and then just wandered off. <laughs> That's crazy. <clears throat> couple of other uh, interesting stories in the odd and unusual side of the news. It is hard work being a farmer. Just ask any farmer, they'll tell you. Uh, this makes it considerably easier, though. Um, a boulder containing a cluster of two and a half million carrots in star sapphires was unearthed by a farmer digging a well in the island of Sri Lanka, a country which, like a diamond, belittles its size in terms of richness. Colored pale blue, the find has been given the name the Serendipity Sapphire. Pale blue could be worth, are you ready for this? $140 million on the international market pending inspections and certification by world experts. That, that makes tending your fields a whole lot easier. <laughs> a whole lot more profitable. You're going to uncover a two and a half million carat starfire, uh, sapphire. This is amazing. You wonder, why can't this happen to me? Uh, let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, the international file, a woman in Belgium has been banned from a local zoo for her <laughs> unhealthy relationship with a chimpanzee. <laughs> I saw that headline and I thought, well, this story's got to be good. Officials at the Antwerp Zoo say Addie Timmerman's weekly visits to see Cheetah the chimpanzee are preventing him from socializing with his own kind. Uh, Ms. Timmermans told the uh, told local media outlets that the that the two have a real relationship and that they love each other. Zoo experts say due to more visitors, Cheetah the chimpanzee has been ostracized and spends nearly 15 hours a day alone. Even with the ban, they say Cheetah probably won't be able to reintegrate because he was kept by humans since he was young. Ms. Timmermans says she is heartbroken by the ban. Can't see your love of her life anymore. <laughs> Some people are weird. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, uh, a Volusia County, Florida peeping Tom literally caught with his pants down on Saturday. He was arrested after police did not. This is what makes this, this story funny. Is peeping Tom caught again, literally with his pants down. Volusia County, Florida. This is what made the story uh, rather humorous. He was arrested after police did not buy his excuse that he was simply out for a walk. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just going to get some exercise. That's it. Cops tell local news reporters they have been monitoring the area all week after receiving reports of a man exposing himself while surveilling the home. Deputies claim they caught 37-year-old Javier Javier. O Orozco Gutierrez in the act with his pants down outside the victim's home after a short chase. I mean, how long could the chase be if he's got his pants down? It's hard to run. Uh, Mr. Gutierrez, Mr. Gutierrez was taken into custody where he tried in vain to convince deputies that he was just simply trying to get some exercise. <laughs> well, that kind of exercise is not, uh, 
is uh, frowned upon. Mr. Gutierrez is now facing multiple charges, including exposure, voyeurism, stalking, and loitering. Remains in jail on a $30,000 bond. <laughs> there you go. I was, honestly, I was just trying to get some exercise just out for a walk. There, there you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less. Of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN says thank you for listening. And remember, you can listen around the clock on computer, smartphone, or tablet. Start your day with Chris Oaks and Good Mornings. And stay with us all day long. You also get CBS Sports Radio plus all of our locally originated sports programming. Listen live whenever you like at 1330 WFIN, 95.5 FM, and at WFIN.com. Where you can also grab our free mobile apps for iOS or Android. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Do you have a favorite spot on the family sofa or at the dinner table? A lot of Americans do. You are certainly not alone. Two thirds of us are obsessive about about their spot. A new study of 2000 people conducted by one poll on behalf of Value City Furniture uh, finds 2000 people. Survey finds that 66%, two-thirds, admit having an unofficial assigned seating spot (laughs) throughout their homes. Whether it's the kitchen table, dad's recliner, or the family couch, 68% of respondents say they are very passionate about their spot. So loyal, in fact, to their favorite spot that they will argue with another family member about sitting in their spot. even get into arguments with family members over this and they say it happens on average twice a month uh the uh, survey finds more than half of americans 55 percent to be exact would feel uncomfortable sitting anywhere else but their favorite spot (laughs) on why people are attached to certain spots 63 percent associated with positive memories Uh, particular areas or pieces of furniture in their home and i can see that's particularly around like the dining room table because dad always sits at the head of the table and that's the way my dad did it and his dad did it and his dad before him and it was kind of you know a traditional thing but uh it doesn't always uh equate to uh you know old memories not necessarily the only driving force 56 percent of those in the poll have used the extra time at home during the pandemic to update their home's interior design, make it more comfortable. Uh, Results from the survey show the average home has seen three cozy updates over the past year of quarantine, costing an average of $752. We spent nearly 800 bucks making our homes more cozy. Three in 10 have spent upwards of $1,000 updating their homes, making them more comfortable. Uh, Some invested in new accessories like shelving or lamps, new artwork or decor, or a new bed. 27% say they bought a new bed uh, during the uh, pandemic. And again, this is a poll conducted on behalf of Value City Furniture, so you see where the tie-in here is. But it's kind of interesting. Uh, 26% say they splurged on a new sofa in the past year. Uh, 22% say new seating options for their living room. 19% say they added a new television. 
to their uh, to their living room. So anyway, just kind of interesting <laughs> and especially uh, revealing uh, about our favorite spot. So if you have your favorite spot, the living room sofa, or the dinner table, you are not alone. Far from it. Sarah Clevidence is uh, with us this morning at the Findlay-Hancock County Public Library with details on uh, what's going on in the month of September. And it is hard to believe that we're talking about September uh, already. September is Library Card Sign-Up Month. There you go. Library Card Sign-Up Month. Um, So if you don't have a library card, a great time to get one. Well, I mean, no reason to wait till September. I'll point out the library's air conditioned. It's going to be pretty hot today. There you go. (laughs) Absolutely. If you need some place to escape, uh, then that is the uh, place to be. And you have a uh, full slate of activities, things going on in the uh, month of September, including your Storytime in the Park program continues. We we do. Yes, Storytime in the Park just went over so well with our families this summer. They loved the opportunity to enjoy the story walk and play at the the playground while they were there. So we've decided this fall to continue doing story time once a week at the park, and then we'll do once a week on Zoom as well. Okay. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the uh, other things that are going on uh, in the uh, month of September. What is happening? Sure. We've got uh, just a ton of children's programs happening at the library uh, in September. We've got a makerspace where they can make locker magnets, um, both one of those in the evening and one during the daytime for homeschool families. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a drawing club happening at the end of the month. Uh, for our tween group, uh, we have two family night uh, no carve pumpkin decorating programs no to get ready for pumpkin fall. decorating. Yeah, it's going to be that time uh, again before we know it. Sure, it, it sure is. Um, lots of great things going on for adults as well at the library. We've got um, a number of book discussions throughout the month. We've got a program on understanding Alzheimer's and dementia that'll happen uh, September twenty first. If you've managed to avoid Zoom all through this pandemic, but decided it's finally time to learn, we do have a Zoom for Beginners program also offered in September. And uh, that is uh, definitely, they, they say that that's going to be one of those things moving forward. We're going to have to you know, know all about that because we've gotten used to it now. So Unfortunately. Say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, that uh, I, I should say, uh, a lot of the uh, programs we're talking about, you are back in person, right? We are, yes. Uh, most of our programs are offered in person, okay. uh, either at the library or we're doing some at the park. We do have a few still on Zoom, though. We've had a lot of people that enjoy that opportunity to you know, just uh, join in from wherever they are. Yeah, it is, uh, it is sometimes more convenient it uh, sure is. Uh, that way. So uh, anything else to uh, highlight in the uh, month of September? Yeah, we've uh, started a teen career chat cheer- series that we started this summer. Uh, we'll have a plumber talking to teens about that hmm. that trade uh, this fall. So we also later in the fall have coming up a, a mortician and an ICU doctor. So just a wide variety of opportunities out you there. Know, that is uh, that is a great idea. I mean, heard of uh, those career uh, career night things mm-hmm. or, or career programs, uh, but it sounds like you're uh, thinking outside the box in terms of some of those careers because I don't know that I've ever uh, heard about a mortician uh, career night. I mean. I mean, there's such a plethora of different things out there that you could do, and and I think it's hard for teens to know all the opportunities that are available Mm -hmm. to them. Certainly, we can't cover them all, but we'll work our way through with these uh, teen chats. Well, and that's uh, something that uh, is definitely going to be needed. I mean, you you think about uh, Morticia, I mean, like you said, there are a lot of opportunities that you wouldn't ordinarily think about that... uh, uh, provide you for a good solid career absolutely uh other anything else that we want to highlight uh in the uh, month of september 
Well, actually, if we could look forward, uh, ahead to October, okay. you know, we do have our human library coming up in October, and we yes. are still accepting applications for that through the end of this month. So if you've been on the fence, uh, there's still a little time to submit your application to be a book for that program. And talk a little bit about that uh, program. I know we've talked about it uh, in the past, but uh, explain for those who may be hearing about it for the first time what the human library is all about. Sure. With the human library, the concept is that people are the books, that we are more than just our stereotypes, we are stories. And so at, at the Human Library, you'll have the opportunity to check out a book, another person, mm-hmm. and have a brief conversation with them and just learn about their story, their history, the world uh, from their view, ask them questions, anything profound or mundane. Mm-hmm. What's their favorite Netflix show? Yeah, uh, And just get to know somebody on a, a, a personal level. That is such an important uh, thing that I think we have forgotten uh, in in the world today is that for the many ways that we differ, that when you get down, scratch underneath the surface, uh, there's a lot of we're we're more alike than we are different in so many ways. We absolutely are. We've got several uh, exciting applications already in. Uh, somebody who grew up as an army brat, hmm. uh, somebody who was formerly incarcerated, somebody with low literacy, a birth doula. So just a, an hmm. interesting variety of people you could meet at this event. And everybody has a story. I mean, for those who may be hearing about this, they say, well, it sounds rather interesting, but I don't know that I'm rather mm-hmm. interesting. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. And, you know, if you feel like this isn't your time to share your story, come hear about someone else's. Yeah. Uh, now, this will be happening in October? Yes, it'll be happening in October, October 16th at Finley High School. Um, it'll be an afternoon event. Uh, you don't need to register to attend. You can just come and check out books and, and have some great conversations. Uh, that is going to be a, a really fascinating event. And uh, obviously, again, we get a little bit closer, we'll talk more about it. But in the meantime, you've got all of those details at the website, right? Absolutely. And uh, one last thing I'd like to mention while we're here, um, you know, COVID numbers are rising in our community, and I know a lot of folks are looking for those COVID test kits. We do still have those free available at the library, Okay, um, available at our reference desk or through curbside service, should anyone need them. And what, uh, what are the hours uh, at the library for uh, any of these programs? Uh, and uh, you're back to school, back to research time, and all of that fun stuff at the library, too. Main library is open 10 to 8, Monday through Thursday, 10 to 5, Friday and Saturday. Right. And uh, again, don't forget, uh, September is uh, library card. Library card sign up. There we go. So, uh, great time to do that. Again, uh, Sarah Clevidence, the Finley Hancock County Public Library. We've got a link up on our webpage for all of the uh, information that we talked about, dates and times, and, and all of that for all of those programs and more. Sarah, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you. And that is our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. Remember, you can get more information on all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. Check us out online. Coming up tomorrow on the program, home prices are at a record high, and yet sales continue to increase. Have everything you need to know about navigating the red-hot real estate market. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.